Awesome. Well, I've got to say, church, I'm pretty nervous. I'm, uh, but I'm excited. And I truly do believe that um, I've been given a word from God. And, uh, and I'm excited to share that with you. And um, I just really do believe that it's going to change Something's going to break tonight for people, and uh, it's not going to be through me, it's going to be through him, and uh, that's the only reason why I stand up here right now. I don't stand up in my own strength, I stand up in his strength, and uh, so I'm excited for what God is going to do through, through my message, his message tonight. We're going to look at the story of Lazarus in John 11. And if, uh, if you have your Bibles here tonight, as we just uh, get ready, to, as we prepare to read the Word, I just, uh, you can get them out, you can flip, flip open to John 11. You know, I used to, uh, I used to go to a, a Planet Shakers conference when I was young. Anyone ever been to like a, a youth conference, Planet Shakers conference? Yeah, and uh, what they used to do was there used to be a thing that they would like, they would say what Bible verse they're going to read from and, and, and everyone in the, in the room would, uh, would kind of like yell out, got it, when they got the page, when they found, when they found the page. And uh, I never liked this. I never liked this part of the, 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 the conference, the service, because um, I, I'm not good at like finding the, 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 the books in the Bible. And so they would say like... Um, you know, tonight, guys, I'm going to read from John 11. And so if you can flip to there and let me know when you got it. And within like five seconds, someone's yelling out, got it. And I'm like, yeah, right, you've got it already. You don't have it. Prove it. Go on. Prove it. Because I'm in like Leviticus when they're in John already. And uh, I'm struggling to find John. And so tonight, if uh, I used to just like pretend I used to open my book, it could be in like Acts or it could have been in Genesis and I'd just pretend I'd pretend I was reading it and I'd just read it from the screen. And so uh, we're going to have it on the screen as well. But I'm going to read John 11 and uh, yes, thank you. There are a few people in the room that I've gone and specially spoken to and uh, they're, they're my come on people and my hallelujah. Yeah, that's it. That's what I'm talking about. And so uh, they're going to uh, be encouraging me through the message tonight. But uh, we're going to read right now. I'm going to read from the message version. And uh, this, this, is a great, this is a great story. This is a great miracle in the Bible. So we'll kick it off. John 11, a man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Master, the one you love so very much is sick. When Jesus got the message, he said, This sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus, but oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. After the two days, he said to his disciples, 
Let's go back to Judea. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I kind of think, all right, Jesus was told that someone was really sick. And uh, instead of kind of running back, uh, as we think we would, and as, it, and, and as I'm sure they thought he would have, he kind of, I can imagine the moment when the two people kind of came up to Jesus and told them about Lazarus being sick. I can just imagine he would have been in a conversation and uh, probably just absolutely flooring whoever he was talking to with the words he was saying. I'm sure he was. But someone was telling him that Lazarus was sick. And I can just imagine him turning around in a really calm and gentle way and just being like, yeah, all right. I, I know. I know he's sick, but he'll be okay. It's not fatal. And, uh, and, and then just getting back to his conversation. And I can just imagine how hard that would have been for the, for the people that heard it, just to see him kind of like continue his conversation and not run when they, when they heard the news of, of Lazarus, when he heard the news of Lazarus being sick. He said, let's go back to Judea. They said, Rabbi, you can't do that. The Jews are out to kill you and you're going back. Jesus replied, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daylight doesn't stumble because there's plenty of light from the sun. Walking at night, he might very well stumble because he can't see where he's going. You know, when I read the Word of God, when I read the Bible, read verses like this, um, it's amazing because like, you might be reading a verse and, and you might be reading it for a certain context in a certain way and suddenly God will just drop something on you and, uh, and something else will just jump off the page. And I was reading that, that bit there and he said, walking at night, he might very well stumble because he can't see where he's going. Sometimes we think that walking at night in our life is, is what we need to do because therefore the enemy can't see us. And we can kind of like ride under, under the radar. And as, and as we walk through, through life, and we, if we walk in the dark and if we walk at night, the enemy can't see us. But sometimes it's not about walking in the, it's not about our enemy seeing us. It's about us seeing what's coming for us. When we walk in the light, it's actually about, hey, we can actually see what the enemy is trying to do and what the enemy is trying to send at us, what the enemy is trying to attack us with. And so when we walk in the day, when we walk in the light, we see what's coming for us. And sometimes that, that's what we need. We need to see what's coming for us. I know in my life that, uh, you know, I can tell straight away when I've been like walking in, in, in not in certain, so much darkness, but if I've not been walking completely in the light, because I can just tell straight away that sometimes I just lose sight of what's actually coming to attack me, what's coming to get me. And, uh, and I lose sight of that and I can't see what it is. But if I'm walking in the light, I can see what's trying to attack me. I can see the enemies trying to come at me. And I can deal with that because I can see what he's trying to do through Jesus. It's nothing to do with my message, but I just had that revelation when I was reading the verse. I just wanted to share that with you. <laughs> Sorry. Hopefully that helps someone. Thanks, man. You know me too well. He said these things and then announced, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him. The disciples said, Master, if he's gone to sleep, he'll get good rest and wake up feeling fine. Jesus was talking about death. While his disciples thought he was talking about taking a nap. (laughs) Disciples. Sometimes I think they're very silly. But to be honest, I probably would have capsized the boat that Peter got called out of. So... 
I probably wouldn't have been on the shore ready to hear Jesus, so I can't really complain. I can't really say anything about the disciples. Um, yeah, sorry. Well, then Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. That's when Thomas, the one called the twin, said to his companions, come along, we might as well die with him. You know, they might have been silly, they might have seemed dumb, but at least they were willing to die for Jesus. At least they were willing to die with him. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already dead for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away. And many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know what you're, whatever you ask, God will, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now. Jesus wants us to have the best life right now. Let's wipe that from our talk one day. Someday I'll have a good life. Someday I'll be okay. One day everything's going to get better. Let's start to sing right now. I want to, uh, Jesus will give me the best life right now. He is the right now. I am right now. That was for someone right now. You've been saying someday too long. You've been saying one day too long. It's time to say right now. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now, resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, Master. All along I've believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. After saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, The teacher is here and is asking for you. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not entered the town, but was still at the place where Martha and Martha had met him. When, sympathizing, when her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her, thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was, waiting, and fell at his feet, saying, Master, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing, and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. They said, now Jesus wept. The Jews said, look how deeply he loved him. Others among him said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of the blind man. Then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at, at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead four days. Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. 
I know that you always do listen. But on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you have sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver wrapped from head to toe and with a kerchief over his face. I wonder where we came up with handkerchief. Maybe it was just ever supposed to be a kerchief, but you know. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. Hey, I just like went to another level there. I read like so much of the Bible just then. And that usually takes me about four days to read that much of a book. So, hey, I'm, I'm moving up. I hate waiting. I don't really like to wait. Uh, I only have to look down at my shoes and that will tell me that I don't like waiting. You see, these shoes I'm wearing right now, I went up to Charlestown Square one night, first mistake, and, uh, and uh, I walked into the Nike store and for everyone who really knows me, that is the crucial mistake that I made walking into the Nike store. I wasn't planning on spending any money for the, because I had no money to spend and I just wanted to have a look. And uh, the guy came up to me and he said, oh, you're checking out some Nikes. I said, yeah, I pretty much come up every Thursday night and check out the Nikes, see what's new, see what's hot, see what's fresh. And uh, I said, but I've got to wait. I've got to save up and I've got to save my money. And, and then I'll be able to come back up and I'll be really able to come up and really check them out and take them home. And he, and he goes to me, he goes, man, you don't have to wait. And I said, man, come on, don't do this to me. He said, we've got this thing called instant lay-by. And I was, just, I was done. I was gone. And he said, look, um, all you've got to do is spend over $250. <laughs> and uh, you can take them home tonight and pay them off over the coming weeks. I thought it was a great idea. I said, sign me up. I'd sign the dotted line and uh, dad's up the back just absolutely losing his mind. <laughs> hey, you just, you should be happy that I didn't ring mum. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm still paying him off now and But uh, look, it's a sign that I, I, it's one of the things I look down and I know that I don't like waiting. I don't like the, the wait. Another one is uh, I just have to look at my plasma, aka iPhone 6 Plus, and it'll tell me that I don't like to wait. See, when the iPhone 6 Plus came out, uh, I was up there the night before the release and I ran into someone and... Uh, he said to me, he goes, oh man, what are, you, what are you doing tonight? And I said, oh, I'm going to a gig, and, but I, I want to I get this new phone. And, and, um, and he goes, oh, well, I'm coming up to line up. Why don't you come up as well? And I said, I, I, I kind of contemplated it. You know, when your mates with Beachy and your brother's Luke and you've got Holly in your family, this is not something that you do straight away. You don't go and line up for the new iPhone because uh, you know what's coming when you tell them that you lined up for the new iPhone. <laughs> and so uh, I said, look, I've got a gig. 
I'm going to a gig, I'm going to watch a band, and that's supposed to finish at about 12.30. Look, I'll give you a call, and I'll see where I'm at. I, I, you know, I've got to take the bins out at home, so I'll probably have to do that first. And, and so it comes around, the gig finishes, I'll bring him up, and I say, oh, dude, like, what's going on? He said, man, I'm up here, I'm by myself. Come up. I said, righto. I went home, I said, I've got to go home, I've got to take the bins out, I've got to do a few things, get a few things together, and then I'll be up there as soon as I can. And so I went home, I got a backpack, I put some Pringles in it, put some Cokes in there, and I went up to Charlestown Square and, and sat there with this guy who I really barely didn't know. Um, I think I'd met him like once or twice, and uh, it was just an excuse for me to go up there and line up for this iPhone. And so I got there at about one and the shop didn't open till six and we were the only ones up there till about 5.30. (laughs) And, uh, And the time came where the guy came out with the slips as to what particular iPhones they had and... And so we, we were at the front of the line, obviously, and we're getting photos taken and that because we were the first ones. And every, it, it, yeah, I was hiding my face because I was like, "Don't do this." And uh, and you know, he comes around to sleep, and I said, "Well, if I got up here at one o'clock last yesterday morning or this morning, I should say, I'm getting the biggest one. I'm getting the biggest. I'm getting the the space grey black one." The biggest one of the biggest size of the biggest everything because I waited for it and that's what I'm going to get. And um, I didn't wait for nothing. And so I didn't look at them. I didn't test them. I didn't see that my hand wasn't big enough for the iPhone 6 Plus. (laughs) I walked out of the shop, pulled it out of the box and think, well... My hand doesn't wrap around this. I'm going to have to text with two hands every time I text now. And uh, so I don't like waiting. And uh, that's something about me. Now, I'll wait for, I'll wait for people. But, you know, I, I just don't like waiting for, for things. And in this verse, so often when I read this verse, I skip right to the, to the end because I don't like waiting for the punchline. I don't like waiting for the, for, the big, for the big thing, you know, the big moment. You know, movies, I'll fast forward to, through the boring bits to get to the end, to where the good stuff happens. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so I was reading through this and kind of like skipping through and I'm like, yep, sweet, let's just get to the resurrection, the good part. And uh, I was reading through it and I just felt, well, stop. Because in this verse, we see Mary and Martha go through this four-day pause. This moment of four days where they sent for Jesus and then Jesus showed up. And so often... We, I read through that and I don't really think about that and I don't think about what that means that they sent for Jesus and it wasn't for four days 
that he showed up. Imagine, I can imagine what they would have gone through in those four days. You know, in those four days, they would have sent someone for him. You know, their brother would have died. Lazarus would have died. Um, They would have had to have a funeral or some kind of memorial service like they, I'm not sure what they would have done back then, but they would have had some kind of memorial for him. They would have wrapped him up in, his, in the bandages and they would have buried him. And I can just imagine that they're sitting at, 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 their, at their house window, just looking out the window, and every person that, that in the distance that's walking towards them, they're just hoping, praying that that's Jesus. And, and, and Mary's probably sitting over there doing something and Martha's on lookout and Martha's on the watch and, and, and she's probably yelling out, is that Jesus? Is Jesus off in the distance? And, 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 and Martha looks back, no, no, it's not Jesus. It's someone else. And they go through this moment, this four-day pause where Jesus doesn't show up and they have to bury what it is that they thought Jesus was going to show up for. They bury Lazarus. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a four-day pause where something's gone on in your life and, and you've sent to Jesus. You've sent for Jesus. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you kind of, you're waiting you're waiting there for him. And, and, and you're thinking, why isn't he showing up? Because I'm sure Mary and Martha would have asked the question. They would have asked the question, where's Jesus? We sent for him. He loves us. We love him. We do anything for him. And, and we sent for Jesus. But he's not showing up. Why isn't he coming? Why isn't Jesus here? We told him that Lazarus was sick. We told him that Lazarus was dying and he's still not here. And how often have we found ourselves in the same situation in our personal life? Something's going on, I'm not sure what it is, but you've found yourself in a four-day pause. It doesn't have to be necessarily four days. It could be four weeks. It could be a year. It could have been four years. But you found yourself in this place where... You've, you've called out for Jesus and you've called it to him and you've sent for him and suddenly you start to ask the question, where is Jesus in all of this? He's not showing up. He's not coming. He must have forgot about me. And all of a sudden you start to think about burying whatever it is that you were hoping Jesus was going to show up for. You start to... to, to, to Bury it because you think it's dead. Because Jesus hasn't shown up. And so Mary and Martha, they, they, buried, they bury Lazarus. Well, Jesus told them that he's going to be okay. His sickness is not fatal. He's, he's going to be all right. I'm coming. I'm on the way. But still they bury him. Still they, they wrap him up. And they put him in a tomb and they bury him because he thinks he's dead. My, my, my question tonight is what have you buried 
in your life because you thought it was dead? What have you buried in your life because as a result of a four-day pause? And you, you, you've, you've gone to Jesus and you've, you've, you've prayed and, and you've sent for Jesus. And then you've waited and you've waited and you've asked the question, hey, I, I sent for Jesus. I've prayed, my, I've prayed the prayer. I've asked Jesus to come. I've asked Jesus to show up and he's not here yet. I can't see him and he's not here. But so, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna start to bury whatever it is. Well, I got, can I just say something? That the thing about the four day pause in this story, the thing about the four day pause is it took this story from being about just a, a sick man being healed from an illness to being the first time that we see Jesus reveal to the world that he has the power over death. The four-day pause changes the whole face of this story, changes the whole outcome of this story. Because you know what? If Jesus turned around and went straight to Lazarus and got to Lazarus before he had died, this would just be, I don't it might not have even been the, the chapter that it is in the Bible. It, might, it wouldn't definitely not have the power that it has in, in, in terms of what we see Jesus do because Jesus healed sick people all the time. And, and, and Jesus healed people from their illness. And, and it says, in the, you know, he healed the blind. He made the blind see again. But if Jesus went back straight away, it would just be a story like that. It would just be the story of Jesus healing another sick man. But instead, we read the story of Jesus resurrecting someone from the grave. We read that Jesus has the power over death. And that's the result of a four-day pause where we don't see it. We can't see it. We don't see Jesus coming. They didn't see Jesus coming. But Jesus knew Jesus knew that this was going to be a moment for the glory of God to be shown to the world. Jesus knew that this was going to be a moment of the miraculous to change the shape and change the course of people's lives. You know, as Lazarus was declining, the power for the authority of Jesus was increasing. As Lazarus was declining, the chance for the glory of God to be shown was increasing. In your life, you might think that you're declining. You might think that what you're going through right now is is declining and and, and you feel like you're dying or whatever it is in your life is dying. But I want to encourage you tonight. Yeah, you might think that, but Jesus is on the way. And it's just increasing the, 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 the chance, increasing the opportunity for the glory of God to be shown in your life. To be shown in your life. So often we... We think that the four-day pause is Jesus not caring about us. We think that the four-day pause is Jesus 
being too busy for us and, and having to deal with other people. And he cares more about other people than what we're going through. Well, that's not the case. Jesus is on the way. We might not see it, we might not know it. But as we see in this story, Jesus is on the way. I'm gonna, I've got a testimony that I'm going to put on the screen in a sec. And uh, it's, a, it's a testimony of one of my best mates. And because I've got the microphone, I thought, well, I'm going to get my best mate to share his testimony. <laughs> or just a little bit of it anyway. But I like to think of this as the modern day Lazarus. You know, it's, we, we read the Bible and, and it's, it's great and the, the Word is power. The Word has absolute power and it will, it will change your life. And, and I, just, I, I, I've, I pray that I fall more and more in love with this every day. But the power of testimony of one of our own is, is, is you just can't match it. And uh, so we're going to look to the screens and we're going to watch this testimony of one of the heroes of North Lakes. So just let's look to the screen. Life growing up. Uh, it was good. It was, um, I guess, everything that you, you could really wish for. The teenage years... Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I was still on the straight and narrow, um, as straight and narrow as kids are. Um, but I, I guess around, I don't know, 14 or 15, I, I really had a longing to be one of the cool kids, be one of the tough kids, you know, and at that stage, um, church wasn't part of that. Teenage years is where I started to search for exactly what everyone was talking about. Rock bottom was a long time. It wasn't a it wasn't a, a one one day thing. Rock bottom was years. I'd failed as a father. I'd failed as a friend. As a family member as, as anything I'd ever tried. Everything inside of me, everything around me, everything I could ever see was just dead. Um, there was no hope. There literally was nothing. There was nothing that I could look forward to. Waking up and just wanting to fall back asleep because you just the frustration of there's nothing here there's nothing inside there's there's no happiness there's no sadness like people say you, you feel sad but you don't even feel that you feel nothing you feel like there's, there's nothing inside the moment I actually stopped wanting to fall back asleep and start living was moment I found out about grace. It's so hard to fathom accepting perfection because that's how we, we are through, through God's eyes, through Jesus' sacrifice, we are perfect. And the, 
a failure to accept perfection. It's it's not something. It's not something anyone could offer me. I was so desperate. It was that or it was that or death. Uh, those close to me know it was that or death. They knew there was no other options for me. And here I am, nearly two years later. Didn't choose death and love and life. The day I opened my heart up and, and let Jesus actually show me his purpose and how much he loves me. There is not one day I don't love. And that's not a that's not an exaggeration like on my roughest days I feel blessed to be alive. I don't search for happiness in the highs like I've got happiness in my lows. I've got happiness all the time and that's because of the life that he's given me. What an awesome testimony. And uh, there's just a story of a young guy who, uh, who you can see that he, he was going, he'd, he'd been through a four-day pause. You know, he says that uh, rock bottom, it wasn't just a day, it wasn't just a week, rock bottom was years. And uh, the, the, the pause that he found himself in, he, he, as he said, he, he just started to bury things. And things started to, he, he just said things were dead. In his, in his life were dead. And, uh, you know, we see that when he opened his heart up to, when he opened his heart up to Jesus, you know, he, when we filmed it, he, he said, didn't make the final cut. But when we filmed it, he said this thing where he's like, you know, rock bottom was years, but when I came back to life, that was in an instant. And, uh, you know, in this verse, we see that Lazarus had been laid in a tomb as a result of this break where they thought that Jesus wasn't showing up. But as soon as Jesus called him out, he came out of the tomb. And you know what? The thing about Jesus is, in this verse, he says, Then he, to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. You know, it says a lot about, I think, Jesus and his nature, that he doesn't, he doesn't jam the door open. He doesn't go to the door of your heart and, and, and just jam it open. He stands back and he says, no, you, you open it. You open the door. Because I'm a gentleman. I'm not going to force my way in. I'm just going to wait and let you open the door. You see, the thing about them opening the door to the tomb is that wouldn't have stopped Jesus from doing the miracle. See, Jesus could have called Lazarus out with the tomb door being closed and Lazarus would have sprung to life. But they didn't know that the miracle had occurred until the door was opened. And tonight I wonder what Jesus has risen up in your life, what Jesus has called to life, 
But we just don't know. You don't know because you haven't opened the door. You haven't opened the tomb door to let it out, to let it free, to unwrap it and let it loose. You people here tonight in this room, you've you've been struggling, you've been stuck in a pause and you might have buried stuff, you might have buried hope, you might have buried, you might have buried joy, relationships, life, faith, whatever it is, you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, you know what, I've buried it. I've buried it, I've prayed about it, I've, I've prayed for it, Jesus didn't show up and I just, I just that's dead. That's just buried now and I'll move on. Well, I, I believe tonight that Jesus is calling it back to life. I believe whatever it is for you that he's standing at the door of your heart, standing at the door and he's just saying, you know what, I'm going to start to say hope come out. I'm going to start to say joy, get up and come out. Not joy, if there's a joy out there, Sorry. <laughs> I'm talking about joy that goes beyond any feeling. I'm talking about joy that is the foundation of what we feel. You know, I, I think that he's going to say, you know what, life, you might be walking, you might be walking around, but you know that you're just struggling, you know you're feeling dead. I'm going to start to say life come out. Faith come out. Relationships come out. You might have thought they were dead. You might have thought that hope was dead. You might have thought that the relationship that you once had was dead, but I'm going to call it tonight and I'm going to say, come out and I'm going to raise it to life. I'm going to resurrect it because he has the power to do that. The four-day pause, as we feel like we're declining, we're decreasing, the, the, the chance for a miracle is increasing. The chance for the glory of God is increasing. God, Jesus always works to the glory of God, for the glory of God. And you know what? Tonight, if you might have found yourself in a pause for a long time, well, let me tell you that when you get called out of that, when you get called out of that place, you will look back and you will see the power of your pause. You'll see the power of that moment. You'll see the power of that time. Doesn't matter if you've known it for a long time or a short time. Tonight's a night where I believe the God is calling this stuff out. And so as the band comes up, if that's you, if you're in this place and you know you're feeling like I've been stuck in this place. I've stuck in this moment. I'm stuck in a I'm stuck in a rut. In this pause where I feel like Jesus isn't showing up. I feel like I've prayed. I've asked Jesus to show up. He's not showing up. Well, I believe tonight that he's shown up. And he will show up. And he will call out what it is that you've buried because you thought it was dead. And He will change whatever it is in your life that is holding you back. 
tonight is the time to unwrap things and let them loose. The time tonight is the time to unwrap hope and let hope loose. To unwrap life and let life loose. So we're going to sing, oh, praise the name. And let's stand up. And in this moment, just for the next few moments, we're just going to praise. Let's just, we're going to praise the name of Jesus and believe that things are going to start to break over people's lives.